Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I hope you've been enjoying this series. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a review if we, if we can. Last Sunday, we spoke about the relationship between passion, preparation, and practice. And essentially, we honed on this idea that passion is something that everyone wants, but depending on what demographic you fall in determines the way you go about getting passion. If you're single, you need to prepare for passion. You need to get ready for it. Prepare for it. Don't practice it. Prepare for it. If you're married, you need to practice passion because it's already too late to prepare. You are in it. And so we wanted to, and so we gave you some tips for that. And I want to share with you some of the tips that we covered. Um, first off, uh, we said, uh, deal with your issues before you get married if you're single, and deal with your bad habits before you get married. Don't bring your problems and your issues that you're facing now as a single person into your marriage because in six to eight months, every issue and addiction, you're going to blame it on your spouse. Um, And it's actually going to get magnified because you went into getting married thinking that they were going to fix that thing. And when you realize that they don't, you actually double down on that addiction. You actually double down on that issue um, because you were expecting them to do something that they cannot do. And so uh, don't do that. And I know that's hard for some people um, because, you know, we get desperate at times. And uh, and sometimes we want to, you know, settle in our relationships. And so I just want to encourage every single person here today, don't settle. Don't settle. First off, there's no rush. Singleness is not a lesser state of being. Paul said that. Paul said, I wish, I wish everybody could be like me, single, but I know that you can't. But, and, and so if Paul's okay being single, you should be okay being single. I mean, his resume starts with, uh, wrote the Bible. You know, that was his resume. And if he can be successful and be single, I want you to know that you can be successful in life and be single as well. Um, but while you're waiting for the right person, do me a favor and wait. Just wait. You know, in church, we have these sayings that we say, we throw around. We talk about, you know, if you're Ruth, you better wait for your Boaz. You ever heard that in church? Come on, if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Your Boaz is on the way, Ruth. Wait for your Boaz. And, and, and what that really means is, because we've got a lot of people our, our church don't go to church, there's a book in the Bible named Ruth, and uh, Ruth was a woman who ended up marrying a man named Boaz, but she had an opportunity to settle in her life uh, for a different man, for a different, you know, things that came across. But instead, she waited, and she waited for the person that God had for her, her Boaz. Let me tell you something about Boaz. Boaz was bawling, okay? Boaz had means, and Boaz loved the Lord. And so what I'm going to show you right now, it's, uh, it's just, just going to have fun because, uh, you know, single people, you need to laugh. The Bible says that laughter is a good medicine, and, uh, and I know you're probably tired of being single, so it's time to laugh about it, okay? So here, if you're waiting for your Boaz, don't settle, single person. Don't settle. I found this on the internet. I did not come up with this. Don't be mad at me, okay? This is what single people said. Biblical advice. Ruth patiently waited for her mate Boaz. While you were waiting on your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. Broke as, poor as, lying as, cheating as, dumb as, drunk as, Cheap ass, locked up ass, good for nothing ass, lazy ass, and especially his third cousin beating your ass, waiting on your Boaz, and make sure he respects your ass. (laughs) Saved people are like, I'm never coming back to this church. 
ever again. Unsaved people are like, this is my church. And so um, just want you to know that's what we built the church for. And so just having a fun, I just, I just, just my, it would break my heart. Listen, you, have, you undervalue yourself. You have no idea how special you are. You have no idea how, how wonderful you are. And what you have is a treasure. And don't give it to somebody who's going who's gonna to use it, abuse it, and then try and, you know, hand it. Make sure you wait for somebody who's going to treat you good and, and, and love you and serve you. And so just, yeah, just don't settle, okay? Don't settle. Uh, and then we said, if you're single, that we would uh, recommend that you postpone sexual activity until you get married. And also, we advised against living together. And, and I know that I had to be sensitive about that because there are a ton of people in our church who currently find themselves in that situation. But I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm really trying to help you. Studies show uh, and not even Christian studies, UCLA did a study that found that 50% of couples that cohabitate before marriage actually end up in divorce. And so I just want to help you. And, uh, and it was crazy because I actually said something that was kind of spontaneous in the moment. And then it got real. Um, I said, and I said, hey, and if a lot of people didn't want to get married because they can't afford it, they don't have the funds, I said, we'll marry you right here in Journey Church. If you've been living together for a while and you feel like it's time to get that thing covered, you know, by God, we want to help you get that covered by God. We'll provide you some counseling beforehand, and then we'll, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll do it. We'll make it happen. And so when I said that, you know, um, I thought, you know, it's not, nothing's going to happen. And, and it was crazy because then two days later, we got an email from a member of our church who owns a jewelry store. And they said that um, here uh, in Orlando, and they said, hey, when you said that, that blessed my heart so much. If there are any couples who take you up on that offer, we will donate the wedding bands. Come on. We'll donate the wedding bands. I told you our church is the most generous church you have ever been a part of, and it is. Journey Church is full of the most generous people you will ever be, uh, meet or be, be a part of. And so, so, hey, guys, this just got real. So, um, so if you, if you want to get married, send an email to me at connect at journeyall.com, subject, let's get married. All right, just send me that. And, and hey, we'll make it happen. Like I said, we'll do some counseling. It'll be crash course counseling, and then we'll get you up here, and maybe we'll have four or five couples. We'll do it, and just trying to, you know, help you, man. I want you to be happy. I want you to succeed, and I want you to enjoy it, and I want you to stay married to one person forever, honestly, and that's what I really hope is, and so, so if you're interested, hey, send me an email. <laughs> we'll make it happen, and then we talked to married people for a little bit, and we said, married people, uh, we said, you got to practice passion, so don't window shop. Be happy with what you have. Understand that adultery can happen to you and set up safeguards in your marriage. We got a lot of amens from the fellas on this one. We said schedule romance. <laughs> That's it. And then we said, we said, <laughs> and then we said, you got to teach your kids that a closed door means you knock. I got some questions on parents from this throughout the week. They say, wait, are you saying that I ought to neglect my children in the names of my spouse? And no, I'm not saying that. Some of you guys are like, well, we got to go on a date. So you're home alone, six-year-old. Like, no. You'll go to jail. Don't do that. Um, what I'm saying is don't sacrifice your marriage for your children because they grow up and leave you, and your husband and your wife is going to be the only one there with your ass. Anyway, um, they're going to be the only one there. They're going to be the only one. Um, this, is not, this is not good. This is, not good. Um, this is your first Sunday. I'm sorry. Um, we, said, we said serve in church together. That's so important. Today is step four of next steps is when you get an opportunity to meet all of our team leaders. So if you've been coming to Journey Church for a while, but you and your spouse are ready to get involved and serve together, have a common mission, we can do a whole sermon on the benefit of a common mission to a marriage, what that does. When you guys are heading towards the same goal, it does wonders for your marriage. But if you're interested in that, come to step four at the end of this worship since I'll be there. You guys can sign up for a team together. 
and it'll be fun. We said, go to counseling. You got to go to counseling. And then I gave you my two secrets, my two secrets to a happy marriage. In my marriage, I can only speak for my marriage, that has been the reason why my wife and I have, have, uh, are about to celebrate 10 years in a couple months. And it's because, one, we've made sure to have a date night every week. And two, we built on the right foundation, which is God. Those two things have kept us together more than absolutely anything else. And I, a funny story, um, I have a, uh, a small group that I lead on Wednesday nights. It's a men's group. And uh, this guy who comes to my small group regularly, I love him. He's awesome. He said, um, he said you know, Pastor JJ, I just want to talk to you, man. He said, um, I started coming to Journey Church eight months ago. He said, but before that, it had been 12 years since I've ever stepped into a church. He said, I was raised a Catholic, nothing against Catholics. He said, I was raised a Catholic. It had been 12 years before I went to a church. To a church. Well, funny story, I actually knew his wife from when I used to live in New York. And so she moved to Orlando and so she said, hey, in front of mine, started a church. Why don't you come? So she's, he's like, what do I got to come to church for? Um, I've been pretty good, 12 years, no church. He said, but I came, you know, to make her happy. Um, he goes, and, and this past Sunday, pastor, he said, when the sermon was over, we went home. And she opened up her calendar and said, let's schedule romance. He told me, he said, I'm so glad I decided to go to church. <laughs> so glad I decided to go to church, she said. She said, it was worth it. I said, tell your friends, all right? <laughs> tell your friends. No, but he was serious, and he wasn't just serious about that element, about kind of what God had done in his life. This is what he told me, and then I took everything in my power to not cry when he said this. He said, um, I wake up every morning now asking myself, is it Sunday yet? Come on, somebody who hadn't been in church for 12 years, give it up for Jesus. Come on. That's why we built this church. That's why we built this church, for people like that. And they're so grateful. He's, he's, he's killing it in our small group. He's doing amazing. And, uh, and they're doing, their, their marriage is, is doing amazing as well. So I love him, man. I love his passion. And, uh, and I love his passion for life. I love uh, his passion for his spouse, his passion for God. And, and hopefully that's something that you've experienced during this sermon series. Hopefully you've rediscovered passion, passion for God. Maybe you were divorced and, and you've rediscovered passion. Now you're ready to give love another try. Maybe you're single and you've rediscovered passion for yourself and passion for God. And now you're ready to be single as long as it takes. And now whatever it is, I'm really hopeful and, and glad and excited that you have found passion. Now let me give you the next steps, okay? Because once you find passion, here are your next steps. The next steps is to give passion parameters and purpose. And that is the title of today's talk. Passion, parameters, and purpose. Passion, parameters, and purpose. Why? Because we've talked already at ad nauseum, and we're going to continue to say it because it's so easy to forget. Passion, which we would summarize by the top two layers of our period, pyramid here. This is your first Sunday. This is the emotional block, and that's the winky face emoji, which is also known as the physical block. We said that those are great to have, but they're terrible foundations. You should not build your relationships on what we can group up as passion, because passion is fickle, and passion is hard to stand on, and passion really is small in comparison to the rest of the parts that require, uh, you know, especially God. God should be the foundation that you build on. So, so passion is good, okay, because I don't want to demonize passion. We're going to talk about sex today, um, not in a nasty way. So if you brought your teenager in, I just want you to know I'm not a shock and awe preacher. I'm not going to say anything um, uh, that's going to offend 
Um, and so you can, trust, you can trust me on that. But I am glad that we're talking about sex today because I'm going to tell you what, if we don't talk about it, they're going to hear about it from somewhere else and they're going to hear about it from a perspective that is not God's perspective. And so we need to talk about it. If you brought a teenager, it's a good day to bring your teenager to church. Um, and so we're not going to talk bad about, about passion, um, but we do have to put passion in its place. You know, that's one of the first things I learned when I got, got married. You know, and any husband knows that when they get married, you got to get ready um, to be changed uh, by your wife. Um, in, in, in my life, that, I mean that literally. Um, like, my wife picks out my clothes in the morning. Um, she, she literally changes. I mean, I mean, she doesn't put it on and take it off, but sometimes when I get stuck, but that's not the point. She literally, I have no sense of fashion, y'all. Occasionally, I'll get a, a, a recommendation, not often, but occasionally. Hey, man, like your kicks, or hey, man, I think your jeans are cool. It's like, I would never pick out any of this in the stores. Like, she does that for me. When I go on trips, this is a true story. Not only does she pick out the clothes, she takes pictures of them and then texts them to me so that when I wake up in the morning on the road, I look at the text that says Monday, and then I pull out, like, I'm that helpless without her. Like, um, this is just real. <laughs> it's real, okay? And so she's really benefited my life in that way. Another thing that's changed ever since I got married is I don't lose things anymore. Amazing. She taught me one thing that has absolutely saved me probably two years of searching, okay? when you add up all the seconds of search. She said, she said, she said, JJ, she said, everything has a place. I did not know that. <laughs> did you know that? Nod your head at me if you know that. Well, then it was just me. I did not know that. So I would walk into the house and, and, you know, I would sit down on the couch and then it would get uncomfortable. So I'd put my keys out of my back pocket and put them in the couch. And then what would happen? It would fall to the bottom of the couch where all the demons and the elves live. And then they would drag that into the abyss. And then it'd be five years before you get it. You got to get a new car because you can't get keys. And it's craziness. And so she bought me a little key hanger. And she said, make sure that when you walk in, the first thing you do is put your keys in its place. She said this. She says, because everything that doesn't have a place gets lost. I think one of the reasons why single people, it's so easy for you to move from relationship to relationship is because you have a passion that burns bright and burns quick, but doesn't burn long. You lose it because it got put in the wrong place instead of the right place. When you talk to married people, married people, there's a right place for your passion. It's called marriage. It's called your spouse. But when other people, when you begin to try to fulfill that passion outside of marriage, the wrong place, you begin to lose that passion. And passion just doesn't have an effect on, on passion itself. Well, your place, it also has an effect on your purpose. Misplaced passion has the ability to postpone your purpose. Did you know that? We see that in the story of Moses. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Moses, but uh, he was a Hebrew who grew up in Egypt. And one day he's um, kind of outside and he sees an Egyptian that is beating up on another Hebrew. And so passion begins to rise up inside of him, which is natural because he's seeing one of his own people getting beat up. And so he wants to rush to their defense. And he's got a good passion, but he goes about feeding it in the wrong way. And so here's how, how it happens. Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 11 through 14. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them on their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Next verse. Looking this way and that way and seeing if anyone's looking, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. But the next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Next verse. The man said, who has made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. 
And that sentence, especially what I highlighted, should probably feel familiar to a couple of us here today because what you're seeing is a person who got caught up in a moment of passion, a moment of misplaced passion. What he was feeling wasn't wrong, but the way he went about fulfilling the way he was feeling was wrong, and it ended up postponing God's plan for his life. He was already in the palace. Who knows? What if he could have delivered the Israelites Two years from there, three years from there. Instead, he now becomes a fugitive because, of course, Pharaoh finds out. And now he goes on the run for 40 years. And then he comes back. And, and, and by then, he's 80. But he's doing it. He delivers the people. But is it possible that maybe he put the pause button on something God wanted to do now? But because he was not able to manage his passion or put it in the right place, he lost. Or not lost, but he postponed his purpose. I want to help you today because I believe that there's people here. People here who have done something in private, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or shameful. I'm going to give you hope, okay? So hang on. But there are people here, maybe you've done something in private that has become public, and now your marriage is on the rocks because it came out. Maybe you're single, and you've done something in private that has become public, and, and now your reputation is on the rocks. Maybe you've made a bad decision at some point in your life, or you made a bad choice at some point in your life because you gave into a moment of passion. Here's what I want to do with you today. I want to help you prevent those moments of passions that I know you're going to face in your life. Not if you get tempted. The Bible says when you get tempted, whether you're single or married. I want you to know that the moments will come, but it's not what you do in the moment that will keep you pure. It's what you do before the moment gets there. That's so important. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. Let me first say passion is not the problem. Passion is good. I said sex is good. Sex is good. You think if I could ever get an amen in church, it would be on the day that I said sex is good. Single people are like, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to. Am I, am I admitting something if I raise my hand here? I just want you to know, here's how I know it's good, because God made it. In fact, I heard one preacher say, I heard one preacher say that sex was God's first commandment. I was like, show me where in the Bible where that says that. Because I opened up the Bible and I said, it said, it said, don't eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, turn the page before that. I was like, what? I went there. It said, be fruitful and multiply. I thought, wow. God's first commandment was, thou shalt have sex. Hear me. The problem is not passion. The problem is that passion requires parameters. Moses had passion for the Hebrew people, but when he let his passion get the best of him, he allowed, he allowed his passion to take him outside of God's word, God's way, God's will, and God's timing. And anytime you allow your passion to take you out of God's word, God's way, God's will, or God's timing, your passion will not build up your purpose. It will destroy your purpose. Sexual appetite is normal, and we need to acknowledge that in the church because we don't say that enough in the church. We make people feel bad for having sex. We tell people, sexual desire is nasty. Sexual desire is gross. So save it for your husband. No, it's natural, but it has a parameter, and that parameter is called marriage. And when you put a good thing in the right place, it becomes a great thing. 
And so you got to understand, I want to help you create boundaries today, okay? And I want to do that not by helping you in the moment, but by helping you before the moment. Because there are a lot of people who kind of end up in the same position their whole life. You know, you ever met someone like that? I don't know why it keeps happening to me, man. It keeps happening to me. Well, maybe, maybe if you made some decisions beforehand, it, you wouldn't end up in the position where it kept happening to you. Like, man, you know, I keep, I don't know what it is, man. I, um, I keep, people keep offering me stuff. And maybe, you know, hanging out in the Walmart parking lot at 3 a.m. is not a good idea. Because I'll tell you what we talk about in church a lot. Here's the strategy we give you, willpower. We say, you got to have willpower. You got to have willpower. I learned that in church growing up. They say, well, if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't sin. I was like, well, then I must not love Jesus. Because I, I thought I did, but I can't help it. I'm struggling with some things. I'm wrestling with some things. I'm doing some things I don't want to do, but I, I keep doing it. Help me out. Help me make the most of that. And here's what I learned, and maybe you can pack me up on this, but willpower sucks, man. I can never find enough of it. I just can't find enough of it. I'm trying. I can never find enough of it. But you know what I've learned is more powerful than willpower? The power of predecision. The power of making a decision before the moment comes. Because this is what you got to understand. Every moment has momentum. And if you give into the moment, it might seem harmless at that time. But what happens is that moment's going to lead to another moment. That's going to lead to another moment. That's going to lead to another moment. And by the time you're in this moment, you're thinking, oh, man, what am I doing here? But if you just stopped it at this moment. Married people and single people, if, if, if you'd have stopped it at that moment, if you'd have rejected the friend request from your high school crush married person, at this point, you'd have never ended up. And I'm telling you, I got ex-girlfriends that, I mean, I don't have a lot. I got like two. But I got two ex-girlfriends. They think I'm dead. I have not responded to their friend when it came in 2008. I just haven't responded. Because I understand the momentum of a moment. You know, listen, I went to go see uh, a Black Panther on Friday. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Wakanda forever. I can't help it. <laughs> Wakanda forever. It's like, you're not black, Jay. Calm down. You're not black. You're not black. Calm down. Um, anyway, uh, and she says, I'm trying to eat healthy. I don't know if you noticed. I'm on a bulking plan. Thank you. Appreciate that, Tracy. I'm trying to put on, you know, muscle. I'm trying to do it the right way. So you can't just eat garbage, you know? Get the grilled chicken and the rice and the sweet potatoes and all that. So we get to the movie theater. She's like, would you like some popcorn? I'm like, well, you know, I was going to kind of eat this protein shake and this grilled chicken after. Uh, but uh, you know what? I'm, I, I got your back, babe. I'll support you. Get the popcorn. She's like, well, what size? I'm like, well, I mean, I don't really want popcorn. So, I mean, what size do you want? She's like, well, we can get a medium. I'm like, okay, get a medium. She's like, but the large is just 80 cents more. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, then get the large. And she's like, all right. But, but the extra large is just a dollar more than that. And I'm like, and Liz has a way. Husbands, maybe your wife does this too, but she has a way of making spending money sound like I'm making money, like I'm saving. <laughs> Anybody else? Why is it there do that? Husbands, don't leave me out. They'd be like, it's 50% off. But you still got to pay 50% of it. So she's like, she's like, babe, if we get the dollar more, we get one free. At that point, we're making money. I'm like, wait, wait. You said that really fast. Slow down. Try one more time. I feel like we're spending money here. But, I, but at the same time, I feel like we're making money. I don't know what's happening. So she goes, she goes let's get the extra large. So I'm like, ah, whatever, whatever. Yo, we'll get the extra large. Just a dollar more. So I get it. And then we get to sit down. And, uh, and she's like, do you want one? I'm like, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to have one, though. So I put my hand in the, in the popcorn, you know, carton, 
and I think it's stupid large, and I just, I take one, and I'm like, I dare you to eat one kernel of popcorn. I double dare you to eat one kernel of popcorn. I ate, I ate one kernel of popcorn, and then the next thing I knew, there was no more popcorn in the bucket. It was gone. It was all gone. And I was reminded of the 90s Pringles commercial. I don't know if you remember that. They would open up the thing, and then somebody came on the camera and say, once you pop, the fun don't stop. And I just want every single person here to know that there comes a moment that will lead you with this momentum. And you can't think it's just one kernel. And you can't think it's just one cracker. And you can't think it's just one web page. And you can't think it's just one Instagram page. And you can't think it's just one friend. And you can't think it's just one drink. And you can't think it's just one show. Because a moment has momentum. And you're going to find yourself all the way over here one day wondering, how in the world did I got here? But you can't stop it in the moment. You got to prevent it before the moment. You got to bring parameters to your passion so that your passion doesn't get the best of you. Because here's what people think. They go, no, 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 but when that moment comes, I'm going to love my wife enough. When that moment comes, I'm going to love God enough to say no. But that's tricky, see, because you're assuming that passion is going to get you out of something that passion is getting you into. It don't work like that. You need to make some pre-decisions. Pre-decisions, but we don't like pre-decisions in America. We don't. I know. You know how I know? Because I went on the internet and I Googled fat loss. I Googled it. 1.7 million search results. Fat loss. I thought, wow, there are a lot of people interested in fat loss. 1.7 million different pages in the world on fat loss. So then I thought, well, let me try Googling something else. So I Googled fat prevention. 17,000 results. Why the disparity? It don't make no sense to me because isn't fat prevention easier? I did research. I clicked on one of those fat loss links. This is so depressing if you're trying to lose weight. Check this out. Did you know? I've never had that problem, so I'm sorry, but I'm not trying to be unsensitive to those who are just, did you know that if you were to jog, get on a treadmill, go to a gym, and jog five miles per hour on a treadmill, which sounds fast to me, that's like bicycle speed, right? Or am I just really slow? Like, I don't know. Five miles per hour. If you jog at five miles per hour on a treadmill, and you, and you did it for an hour, you would burn 584 calories in an hour which sounds great until you understand that a pound of fat is 4,000 calories. So you would have to jog five miles an hour for an hour for seven days a week to lose one pound of fat. You know how much money at the gym that is? You know how much those burnt fat supplements that cost? You know how much? Isn't it easier? Listen, I can save you so much money. Here's what you can do for free. That will, that will take you a fraction of a second. That will cost you zero calories. Decide beforehand that the hot and ready light at Krispy Kreme is not your friend. 
People are not laughing because they're like, don't talk about Krispy Kreme like that. That's the Lord's Donuts. You better back up. Lord's Donuts, okay? He said, eat and be merry. And he said, no, Santa said that, not Jesus. Okay. Um, uh, he's, he, he, no, isn't it easier just to, to, to decide beforehand that soda is no longer going to be a part of your diet? To decide beforehand that, oh, gee, I don't know, dipping food that is full of fat inside liquid fat and calling it fried, that's not okay. And you would lose so much more weight that way. But people don't want to hear about that. Why? Here's what that search result told me about the culture in America. One, there are more people interested in indulgence than avoidance. That means that in America, we care more about having our cake and eating it too and burning it off too. Let me make it practical. That means we won't spend a lot of time thinking about all the ways we can avoid adultery by being faithful to our wife. We're going to think about all the ways we can get away with it. Because we want to indulge. And then, and here's the second thing that tells us about our culture. And I'm not trying to bash any heads because I know that a lot of us have been through stuff. And I don't know everybody's story. I promise this, this ends in hope and grace like the cross and the resurrection always does. But i got to be honest. There's another thing that tells me about our culture, and it's this. We think that anything can be undone. Have you ever met somebody like that on a diet who's like 600 calories, but I'll just work it off later? <laughs> so crazy. Come on. Raise your hand if you did that one time on a diet. You're like, I'm on a diet, but you know what? I'll just work it off later. I'll just, was it 500 calories? That's about three years on the treadmill. That's a problem. I'll just, I'll just work it off later. I'll just work it off later. And it's, and it's like, and, and I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something on behalf of every broken family in America. Some things can't be undone. Some things can't be undone. There are some things, I'm, I'm going to say it again because I'm there in those counseling sessions with the husbands and the wives. I'm there in those counseling sessions with the mom and the teenagers. There are some things that can't be undone. There are some things you see as a teenager. My teenagers that you're here. There are some things that if you see as a teenager today, let me tell you, You'll be married for three or four years, and one day, out of the blue, hanging out with your wife at the supermarket, the image that you saw at 13 comes rushing back to your mind. And you think, well, what happened to grace? What happened to God? Oh, 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 there's grace, and there's forgiveness. Listen, listen, the, the punishment the, is, is taken on the cross, but the consequences of our decision, we live with that. And I just, I know that's heavy, I know that's hard, but it'll help you, because I'm, I'm trying to get you to avoid the situation. And so how do we avoid it? We got to set up boundaries. We got to set up boundaries, okay? Boundaries. Boundaries are blessings, y'all. That's my point. Boundaries are blessings. Um, I know that that doesn't sound accurate, but trust me, it is. Um, I remember being a, a dad, and I got a little kid, you know, Justice, you guys know him, and we had a, play, a playpen for him. It kind of looked like this, except not at all. Um, it wasn't colorful. Um, it actually had bars uh, in it. And it was like, and, and to me, it was a playpen. Um, but for him, he probably, if he could talk, he probably would have called it a prison. Probably would have been more accurate for him because he was all up, you know. Just, and, and let me tell you something about Justice. He hated it so much. He would grab the bars every time I put him in, and he would be upset. And I wish we could have talked at that moment because I would have told him something. You know, he would have been upset at me because he's like, oh, you just don't want me to have fun, Dad. You're trying to keep me from having fun. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have a secret theory about babies, FYI. 
I believe all babies. Raise my hand, raise your hand if you have a baby. Okay, you back me up on this. I believe all babies are secretly suicidal. You put four toys in front of a baby, a rubber ball, a soldier, a race car, and a knife. They will always go for the knife. And then they will somehow know that if they put it in the outlet, <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen Justice go for the fork and then start making it way to the outlet. I'm like, what? Who taught you about currents and electricity and voltage? Here's my theory. I think all babies are secretly just trying to get back to heaven. That's what I'm thinking happens. <laughs> thinking they loved it so much, they're upset their mom and dad brought them out and they're like, the fastest way back. <laughs> it's just going to... This seems like the fastest way back. And so I'm just going to do this. What he doesn't know as a dad that I wish I could communicate is, Miss Papi, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to set up your life in a way so that you can't have fun. I'm, I'm putting as many toys in here as I can. I put a basketball hoop in here. I put good friends around you. I put the Bible here. I put relationships, small groups, a church, a purpose. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to set up your life so that you can have fun and not get hurt in the process. Because there's single people who are like, oh, so you're saying, you know, I can't have sex before marriage, and you say, that doesn't sound like fun. I want to have fun in my relationship. God wants you to have fun. He just wants you to have fun in a way where you don't get hurt because he knows that giving away your body and giving away your heart before you're ready to is going to put you in a position that should that relationship end will scar you and hurt you and burn you. I want to tell you, like I tried to tell my two-year-old, and I hope you get it. Hear it from God. I'm setting up boundaries in your life, not so that you won't have fun, but that you can actually get to enjoy knowing another person without the worry of hurting yourself. Married people, where are you saying, I can't have female friends? Are you saying, I can't, you know, I can't be on my phone because I got to have boundaries? And No, what I am saying is that you need to set up your life and look at what God's boundaries are for you and your marriage so that you can enjoy all those things but not ever have to fear getting hurt or hurting, or hurting others. You know? And so what is the boundary? Well, that's, that's a hard question to ask. I was going to have a list of like 10 boundaries, but then I thought, ah, that's religious. Because that's what religion is. Religion is me trying to ask you to do something that the Bible doesn't tell you to do. I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you a lesson I learned from the Grand Canyon. And that is this. Never set up your boundary too close to the edge. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's a wonderful view. If you've ever been there, you'll notice that they'll put the railings like six feet from the edge. Because they've learned the hard way that people will lean in for the picture. Like, you can't get a good enough picture six feet from the edge. Like, what are you trying to do? They'll get to the edge, take a picture, and many people will fall to their death because they set up their boundaries too close to the edge. And there are a lot of people in marriage, and there are a lot of people who are single saying, oh, no, it's totally fine. This isn't sin. This isn't bad. This is okay. That's sin. But they're setting up their boundaries for their marriage and their single life so close to the edge that all it takes is one notch, one bad day, one moment of weakness to fall over. And here's what God's saying. Set that sucker back up there as far as you can. Why even mess with it? There's too much writing on this. For you to play that close to the edge, too many people are counting on you. Which is my last point. 
I don't want to just tell you not to do something. I grew up in a church like that. And honestly, it wasn't very motivating. I, I didn't, I couldn't not do it as well. And here's what I, I've learned. When a preacher asks you to restrain from something, they're only giving you half of the equation. And if all a preacher does is stand up with this Bible and says, God doesn't want you to do something. It's only a matter of time before the restraint causes resentment. And then you start looking at the preacher and you start looking at God and saying, nah, this is too much for me. This is too hard for me. I don't want to do it. And I've learned that God actually has another part of the process to save you and to keep you safe. And it's, and it's, it's like this. God wants you to build passion, but he wants you to build passion in a way where you don't get burned. And so I thought, hey, why not start a fire on the church? That'd be a cool illustration. I bet a ton of people will get saved because they'd be like, fire of the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But you know, so I thought, hey, you know, I'll get some gasoline. And then I, and then I thought, nah, I don't feel like going to jail this morning. The moment you see smoke, by the way, that's haze, not smoke. But the, I got to be careful. Why? Because you know, you know fire. And you know how fire works. And you know that the moment I start building that fire and I light that, you are out. Why? Nothing wrong with building a fire. But building a fire without parameters. Building a fire without boundaries will burn the house down that God is trying to build. And so God is saying, I want you to have that fire. It's a good fire. But in order to keep that fire from destroying your marriage, in order to keep that fire from destroying your purpose, in order to keep that fire from destroying your life, you got to set up some stones around it. You got to set up some boundaries around it so that it does what it was supposed to do, which is my final point. If you really want to stay pure in your marriage and in your singleness, you got to embrace purpose. What do you mean purpose? Ah. I can only tell you to keep from something so long before you go ahead and you try it. But if I tell you why you're keeping it for, Moses runs away. He's a, he's a refugee for 40 years. Towards the end of that 40 years, God comes and speaks to him. Look what happens. Next verse. Exodus. Exodus. Exodus yeah, that's, that's a good one. I didn't show that one because we didn't have time, but keep going. Exodus. Now Moses was telling the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness that came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames from fire within a bush. Next verse. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. You see, here's what I've learned. If you build your, your, your relationship on passion, it'll burn bright, but it won't burn long. It'll always burn out. But here you have Moses, a man who was used to fulfilling his own passions in his own way. That's what got him in the wilderness in the first place. He's used to doing it himself. He's got an itch. He scratches it. He's got an urge. He goes and fills it. But for the first time, he's looking at a passion that is not burning out. He's looking at a fire that is not consuming the thing. And he goes, man, I remember when my fire consumed me. It took so much from me. It took away my loved ones. It took away my boyfriend. It took away my husband. It took away. I remember when passion took away this from me. But now I see a fire that's not burning up. Why does it not burn up? And here's what the Lord spoke to me. In that conversation, God says to Moses, here's my plan for your life. Here's my plan for your life. Are you ready? A holy passion that is built on purpose will never burn out. And it will never burn out. 
If you try and build your life on emotions and the physical, it'll be fast and it'll be quick and it'll be over. But if you get connected to God's plan for your life, when you understand all the things that he wants you to do, then all of a sudden the temptation isn't that great anymore because it's not what he's keeping you from. It's what he's saving you for. It's what he's saving you for. He's saving you for something. There's a mission. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There are children who are waiting on, on you and your husband and your wife for a good manage, an example of what marriage is supposed to be like. This is, the, this, is, this is the church's old strategy. And this is what I believe Jesus' strategy is for us today. Not that you should put out your passion, because that's what they used to say in church. You got to get rid of that sexual desire. Let's take some water. Let's put out your passion. Here's what Jesus says. It's time to fight fire with fire. You got a fire to fulfill passion? Let me give you a fire that is greater than the fire that you got inside, a fire to make a difference in this world. I'm telling you, there's some couples that are on the rocks right now that God is telling you, if you could just make it through, one day your son or your daughter is going to come up to you when you're older and they're going to say, Mom, Dad, me and my wife or me and my husband are going through something and I don't think if we're going to make it. But because you held on, because you knew that day would come, you can be able to sit down with them and you can be able to tell them, your husband, your daddy and I, your mommy and I, we felt the same way 20 years ago, but we held on to God and we knew that this day would come and we wanted to be able to talk to you from a position of wholeness and tell you, son, if we did it, you can do it. There's a single mom in here today who are thinking, well, it's already late for me. I already messed up my uh. Here's what I know God is going to do in your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a ministry for your life. He's got a business for your life. He's got a husband for your life. He's got a plan for your life. And one day you're going to have a little girl or a little son that's going to look at you and say, Mom, Dad, I don't think that person's ever coming for me. I made some mistakes. I made some choices. And you're going to be able to look at them and say, you know what? I made some choices too. I made some. You were actually one of them. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. I made some, don't you dare say that. It was a joke. I made some choices. I made some bad decisions. Listen, I thought my fire was going to go out. But I found a fire that never goes out. I found a fire that never burns up. And if he got me through it, baby, he's going to get you through it too. Don't you understand? God's not just trying to keep you from something. He's trying to save you for something. You got a great plan over your life. That Les family, McMillan family, Rivera family, Santiago family, Jones family. And when you understand that, future that God has for you. You look at every fire and you say, that's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's too much riding on this. It's not worth it. The plan for my life is too great. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.